0: Good morning, everyone. A lot happening at 905. We speak with the Arizona Speaker. Well, the Speaker of the House of the Arizona House, uh, Ben Toma. We are going to talk to him about a piece of legislation uh, trapping in or tapping into. This is interesting how this is written. Tapping into frustrations over the current border crisis. Arizona House Speaker Ben Toma and other GOP lawmakers announced a plan to expand and repurpose a federal employment verification program. So uh, this House current resolution 2060. Would be one of the toughest immigration laws ever written. This, according to Ben Toma, we will speak with Mr. Toma at nine oh five about this piece of legislation or about this proposal, and uh, we will talk about Arizona voters. Now, um, what's interesting about Ben Toma is he's an immigrant, and we, we've talked with quite a few people that have been through the naturalization process here in the U.S. And so we understand there's there's a difference between border security and immigration and immigration, the immigration system in America is broken. I am an advocate for a guest worker program, but stopping the flow of people into Arizona, let me explain how bad I think this could possibly get. With what we've seen in Texas and how Texas is pushing back and other states are sending National Guard troops to Texas to help Texas secure its border because the federal government isn't doing it. You are going to see the cartels redirect people into Arizona. That's how it works. They do this all the time. If it was Arizona beefing up its border security, they would be moving them into Texas. That's how it works. Um, and this is uh, what is frustrating to people is that we are concerned – and should be, that doesn't make people xenophobic. I will tell you, the American people are very accepting. They are a very, we are a very accepting population, especially here in Arizona. I moved here almost, well, almost 30 years ago. And one of the things I loved about my first visit here, my first visit was in 1992, was the people and the way the people interact and the cultures and how the different cultures interact. So the idea that there's this xenophobic or racist agenda isn't true. The federal government is not doing its job. So state governments, especially border state governments, are revamping their laws. Would you call it – would it be considered racist or xenophobic for the voters in Chicago to want to take away or rescind their sanctuary city status? That's what the voters want in Chicago. Um, They don't want to be a sanctuary state in New York anymore after seeing what's happened in New York City it is interesting and i've got a few a bunch of stuff to talk about with this but at 905 we're going to talk with Ben Toma specifically about what this would do in the state of Arizona is it going to get on the ballot we know there's going to be constitutional challenges to it there always is and will it pass muster the other part of this is that the narrative of what's happening at the border and the reality of what's happening at the border sometimes are two different things. I want you to hear an interaction. This is Corinne Jean-Pierre being asked about um, the border, about people coming across the border. Um, and her response, this is she's being asked about the number of Chinese migrants crossing the border, young men of military age.
1: The 20,000 Chinese migrants have illegally crossed the southern border in 2024, and the vast majority, according to the National Border Patrol Council president, have been single men of, of military age. What kind of national security issue is this, given China's hacking of U.S. infrastructure, the uh, spying that they do, and the other aggressions? So if we take that very seriously, what's happening at the border. Everybody, uh, we try to uh, make sure that, um, uh, uh, you know, as it as it relates to... Um, uh, unlawful, unlawful uh, crossings. Uh, we certainly uh, do everything that we can uh, to make sure uh, that that uh, uh, that we deal with that in a.
0: That is just a, a huge non-answer, and everybody can hear it. The issue that's happening at our border when it comes to border security, and it is a national security issue, we know that the Chinese government, the Chinese government and the American government are at odds. I would not say that they are direct enemies, but we are certainly adversaries when it comes to the economy. They have chosen sides with enemies of the U.S., the Russians, the Iranians, the North Koreans. There is a rapport in this, in this, on that side of this conversation. And yet our southern border is being inundated with over 20,000 Chinese migrants. Now, does that mean that all or the majority of them are here for bad reasons? The answer is absolutely not. But what it does mean, it is certainly a national security issue and a national security threat. And when asked what they're doing about it, it was nothing but gibberish. These are absolute non-answers. So what is Texas supposed to do? The Arizona legislature is frustrated because we're not doing enough, but what can the state do really? How far can it go? The federal government is not doing its job. We saw one piece of legislation that was not voted on. It didn't make its way out of the Senate. And then therefore people are saying, well, that's it. We tried and it's over and it should never be over. The The conversation should continue. There's no doubt about this. Um, Bipartisan House members unveil a new border and foreign power or foreign aid proposal. So after Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, and this is in D.C., rejected a a Senate-passed national security supplemental, a bipartisan group of House lawmakers unveiled a new proposal late last week to provide defense-only aid for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan and funds for the U.S. southern border. However, it's not clear if the GOP leadership will consider it. So this package titled the Defending Borders Defending Democracy Act would provide the aid for one year after enactment. The biggest chunk of the money, 47.69 billion, would go to support the defense of Ukraine, but it also addresses some issues at the border here. Is this continued conversation going to last? It's a it is an excellent question because this is where the politics plays a role when you have people throw their hands in the air and say we tried Look at those darn Republicans. They really don't want to do anything. Or you have Republicans that point their finger at Democrats and say, you're not doing anything. The thing is you have to sit down and hash it out. I I mentioned about the defense, the uh, foreign aid bill that passed out of the Senate. Senator Schumer, who runs the Senate, was very emphatic. We're not leaving here until this passes. We are going to sit at the table like adults and we're going to pass this thing. I have not heard him say the same thing about the border. And he come and when it passed the Senate, it was glowing remarks about how this is an you know a border security issue and a national security issue and how this is great not only for our national security but our allies and the western world. I don't know how you're going to convince any American that it was more critical to national security to pass that initiative, pass that spending bill, that aid bill and it is to secure the Southern border of the US. The US is watching what's happening and it's become a much bigger story. Again, if it were me and no one's asking me, but if it were me and I were in leadership, if I were a Republican in leadership, I would be trying to bring people to the table by saying we finally are in agreement. Over the last, since January, let's say, We have up until January, we have heard the president of the United States, the uh, vice president of the United States, the Homeland Security secretary, the uh, White House press secretary. They have all said that the border is secure. The border is secure. The border is secure until January. And then we began to hear how unsecured the border is, that the border needs to be secured, that it's a crisis. They called it a crisis. And if I were a Republican in leadership, I would say they've called it a crisis. Now, we all are finally in agreement that this is a crisis. So if it is a crisis, let's treat it like a crisis. Both parties, Republicans and Democrats sit down at a table and not get up just like they did with the foreign aid bill. Let's not get up from the table until we hash out something that both sides can agree on. And that's how I would pressure them into coming back to the table. They have now acknowledged it's a crisis. You cannot put that toothpaste back in the tube. So what are you going to do with it? So here's a little bit. This is an AZ family report on what this immigration law would do. The Protect Arizona Against Illegal Immigration Act would eventually need voter approval in the fall.
1: The goal? To make it harder for migrants living here illegally to get a job and obtain any public benefits. It would also crack down on businesses and charge them with a felony if they hired undocumented migrants or helped them violate state employment laws.
0: Now, there's two things at play here. One of them is what will this do for employers? Now, I, I'm certainly not an advocate for hiring people in the country illegally, but will this harm employers? And I don't know that that's the case. We're going to talk to the speaker about that, Bentoma at 905. The other part of this, though, is about incentives, and that's something else. When migrants make their way into Arizona— Is it comfortable for them? And I'm not I don't advocate for horrible things to be done to people. But when you have sanctuary cities like Chicago, when you have states like Massachusetts that have a mandatory shelter law, it is attracting people there because they know the law is in their favor. When the law is not in their favor, will they go someplace else? That's a good question, because there's not much the state can do until people cross the border. But what are we doing with the American citizens and the businesses here in Arizona? Is this a good idea? We're going to ask Ben Toma that, the Arizona Speaker of the House, coming up at 9.05. In a moment, we're going to talk about the economy. Now you've got food suppliers warning that inflation is squeezing out average Americans and they're seeing it at the grocery stores. We'll get to that coming up in just a moment. values and strong opinions the Mike Broomhead Show KTAR News
1: 923 FM and the KTAR News app hey,
0: if you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast yet do it it's very simple to do on any device never miss a minute of the show the Mike Broomhead Show podcast Brought to you this week by your Valley Chevy dealers. Coming up about uh, 30 minutes from right now, we are going to have the Speaker of the House in Arizona Legislature, Ben Toma, join us to talk about the bill or the piece of legislation, the Protecting Arizona Against Illegal Immigration Act. So that's coming up in 30 minutes. Right now, let's talk a little bit about the economy. A PA food supplier warns Americans are getting squeezed by inflation, which all of us understand is still happening. Uh, Inflation remains high, which means your taxes may be a little lower because they adjust the tax brackets based on inflation. So some people may pay a little less in taxes, which may be a bit of a silver lining in what we've seen in this dark cloud. But talking about the employment base and some of the decisions that are being made, um, state regulators will vote an APS rate hike this week. You could pay an average of eleven more than you do now if the utility's proposed rate hike is approved. Um, there is a line there. Obviously, we no one wants to pay more, but is it costing more to generate the power? Are the new restrictions, the, matter of fact, the president of the United States, we're going to talk more in detail about it later, maybe backing off some of the uh, electric vehicle um, push that they've put on, back off some of the EPA regulations that have been put in place. It costs a lot more money to do things. I I think policy plays a big role in this. I've been critical because I don't think it's the right thing to do. I think they've put the cart before the horse when it comes to this in many ways. But there's another element to all of this. And here is one of the stories that I thought was interesting. Um, one of the uh, ranchers is suing the Biden administration over the new national monument that was uh, n- named in northern Arizona in order to stop a uranium mine. We all know that's why it was done, and there are some that celebrated this. But I will tell you that you, what when you when they made this a national monument, one of the things that happened is that ranchers cannot graze, have their cattle graze on that land. So part of that issue is a big deal watering and having your cattle graze. We're talking about food prices. Isn't there a direct link? It costs so much more money if you're feeding your cattle hay, it's costing a lot more money to feed them now than it did before. Cattle is at a low we haven't seen since the 1970s. Beef prices remain very, very high for the average consumer. That is uh, more than detrimental. So are these policy issues part of what is causing prices to remain high? I submit to you that they are. I think that this is a big piece of it. A, a rancher is suing the the president for the creation of a national monument in the Arizona blocking near the use of nearly one million an- acres for mining and other uses, told the Daily Caller News Foundation. He wants to see it go away. This new um, ancestral footprints of the Grand Canyon Monument, Hales is a step forward in the effort to protect tribal lands. So um, the problem here is that this rancher, Chris Heaton, said, I would love to see the monument go away. And that, of course, a court declared that the monument's illegal, that the president did not have the authority to do what the president did. I think the monument needs to go away. This is about self-preservation. I I, I will tell you, and I've I've said this many times, the real environmentalists in our society – are the people that live and work off the land. A real environmentalist are the farmers and the ranchers. They have a vested interest in the renewal of the land, in keeping it, the water available for uh, what's needed for their cattle and for their crops, the ability to farm that land and have their cattle graze on that land. You want to talk about environmentalism. And when it talks to being, when it talks about herds of animals and keeping the animal populations, um, thriving, those are the hunters and the anglers in Arizona. These are the men, women, and children that have been hunting the lands of Arizona for generations. If you've never talked to someone who hunts, if you just are against it and you think it's a horrible thing to do, I just would say to you that much like gun control, many times your opinions are born of ignorance and having a conversation with someone. And I have friends, I have a friend um, who is a hunter and the whole family hunts. Uh, they have a great place up in uh, up in near Christopher Creek, and but they hunt all over Arizona. And um, he was describing to someone that I knew that was an animal rights, uh, really activist, I should say, very big on animal rights, and explained how this, how hunting is needed to preserve the thriving herds and how real hunters and anglers that are hunting and fishing across Arizona are the ones that are the most invested. It is the money that they spend on the hunting licenses, on the permits and the tags in certain areas that pays for the oversight of those herds and the counting to make sure that they stay thriving. If you look, if you've ever been to a hunting camp, if you've ever been to someone's cabin where they hunt out from, if it's a permanent structure you will see generations of families and they want to keep that going for generations to come we look in the wrong places i I, I just believe this to be true here you have a rancher whose livelihood and our our meals depend on his livelihood saying this is a bad deal for us this is something that's detrimental to the beef industry the beef industry is getting a bad rap anyway with climate change and, and, and methane and all this other stuff. That's a different conversation. We still are going to eat, and we still are going to need protein, and those animals provide protein. And when you've got cattle that is cannot graze on this land anymore, the cost to keep that cattle escalates because if they're not grazing, they've got to be fed hay or grain and or grain, and it just costs a lot more money to produce that beef. The prices go up. And it hurts all of us. So when I talk about policy, this isn't just because I'm on the right side of the aisle and the president's on the left side of the aisle that I'm just naturally and automatically going to disagree with everything he says or does. But if you look at the policies on environmentalism, A, they don't help the environment and B, the real environmentalists are getting hammered and you and I are paying a big price for it. And so the president of the United States goes after the food growers and goes after the industry and says it's price gouging and all of these other things. But I can tell you, I have had the privilege of meeting so many people in this um, in this state that are involved in agriculture. They are truly the salt of the earth, hardworking generations of people. And we keep doing things, we, because it's a government we elect, we keep doing things to make their lives even harder and make it less likely that they can make a profit. And then things go up in price and we get, we are wondering why prices are so expensive. And the, the White House that enacts these regulations and national monuments, points a finger at them and says they're price gouging. That's what we're up against. All right, Zinsmeister is in for Gatos. We're going to have our Big Q poll question today coming up here in just one moment.
1: The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. All right,
0: in for Gatos today is Steve Zinsmeister. Steve, how's it going,
1: man? Good morning, Mike. I hope you had an excellent President's Day. Yeah, it uh, it was all right. (laughs) It was a nice day off. It was all right? Yeah, it
0: was all right. It was a nice day off. I got a lot accomplished. I had to do a bunch of errands yesterday. So yesterday was an errand day. I got my tires rotated. How's that for exciting?
1: Nice. That is actually thrilling. What a weekend you must have had. Fantastic.
0: Not only did I get my tires rotated, I got a new phone because um, my old one was, well, it barely didn't have a cord. Let's just say that.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's good. I love the upgrades. You know, one of the uh, errands that I ran over the weekend actually kind of feeds into the poll question today because I stopped by a Best Buy store, and I don't know when the last time is you stopped in a Best Buy, Mike, but it's pretty bleak in there yeah. nowadays because yep. they got rid of all the physical media, so you can't buy a DVD, you can't buy Blu-rays, or at least they're starting to phase them out. So the poll question today: How many DVDs do you own? Your options are a few. Double digits, too many to count, or none because I'm all streaming now. And, you know, we have some laying around the house from back in the day because, you know, obviously we got a nine-year-old, so we got Disney movies and stuff like that. But to be honest with you, we don't use any of them. I don't even think I have a DVD player yeah,
0: anymore. Yeah, I don't have a DVD player anymore either. And I guess I should have one as a backup because if something happens to the Internet so streaming isn't working, I could be able to watch, so I guess that would be a good backup. But you're right. I don't – I stream everything.
1: And it's interesting to think about the phasing out of technology because, I mean, all things go away, right? The records went away for the most part. 8-track tapes went away. Mm -hmm. Cassette tapes went away. Uh VHS goes away. But it makes you think, you know, what's old is now kind of new. People are into record players and buying yeah. vinyl again. So yep. you almost have to wonder if 20, 30 years from now we're talking about, hey, remember back when we had DVDs? Oh, it'd be so cool to collect some of those old DVDs. So maybe some people should hang on to those.
0: Yeah, my I had a friend when I was a kid who had hundreds, probably thousands. He was just collected music. So he converted his 8-track tapes to cassettes and he gave me all of his old eight tracks. So I listened to eight tracks and wow. then the poor guy within a couple of years of converting everything he owned from eight track to cassette had to convert them to CDs. You My know, Because I mean? that's how fast the technology changed. And so I don't know what he did after that, but this, this, he had record collections. It was one of the coolest things ever. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool.
1: Great question. Well, I guess we're going to find out how many DVDs people still own, yeah. but I, I'm not taking them because I'm all streaming now. All right, all right. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> all right, Mike. See you. All right. The Big Q
0: poll question today is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Coming up, the Speaker of the House in the Arizona State Legislature, Ben Toma, joins us about the Protect Arizona Against Illegal Immigration Act. Is this a good thing? We'll discuss it in a moment.